people of our day, what they really want is they want you to change first, and then you can join them. And before we can associate with you publicly, you got to get yourself together. And what Jesus, his ministry was all about, if you join, you'll change. If you join, if you follow Jesus, you're going to change over time. And he was confident about that. So much so that we learned last week that he walked up to this tax collector. Now, you got to understand that a tax collector was the worst kind of person in a society. He was the scum of the earth, funding this Roman Empire that was much like ISIS, like we talked about. They were the worst kind of people, the Roman Empire. And here is this tax collector collecting money for Rome. And this tax collector was engaged by Jesus, and he walks up to him and his his booth, and he says, follow me, follow me. In front of all these people and the disciples, they couldn't believe him. Why him? Why the worst of society? And so we learn, being a sinner and following Jesus, it's a prerequisite. And what we kept talking about last week is that he came to call sinners. That's who he's come to call, sinners, the unrighteous. And so he calls them into a relationship. And if we are going to follow Jesus, we, we begin to have to ask ourselves, well, we saw that Matthew, he was a tax collector, and at the end of our sermon, we saw that this tax collector had ended up writing a book of the Bible. <laughs> this book of the Bible is read by millions of people now. So if following means he's going to change, it's going to change us, then what will you become? What does following Jesus mean you'll become? I think that um, one thing is clear about all the disciples that Jesus said this to, the people that he approached. One thing that's clear is that they ended up becoming something that they, had, they did not intend or they had not seen in their own mind. And, and also, they, they, they turned, he turned them into something that they clearly weren't at the time. So Jesus has this powerful ministry of changing lives and changing the way that you are. So you can guarantee if you follow Christ, you'll change. But you have to ask yourself, what are you going to become? What happens to people that follow Christ? More times than not, the way that we want to change is something temporal. You know, you want to become more disciplined. That would be nice, right? Show up on time. Praise the Lord. No, but I mean, you know, don't, don't you want to become more disciplined? And so you think following Christ is, you know, I want to become a better person. I want to become more disciplined or I want to become smarter. I want to know all the different elements in the Bible. Or you think to yourself, I want to become a better husband or a better wife. I want to be a nicer person. I want to be more hospitable. All these different things you want to become. But the good thing about Jesus is that he states his agenda up front what he wants you to become, and how he wants to change you. That's good, because I like it when people state their agenda up front. Don't, don't play any games. Jesus, tell me what you're about, and he does. He tells us if we follow him, he has an agenda to make us an influencer for his sake. And he'll use this term, fish. If you follow, you'll fish for men. You'll impact people for the sake of Christ, even if you haven't signed up for that, because no one signs up to be a Christian just so that they can impact others for Christ. But that's his agenda. If you follow, you're going to fish for people. 
You're going to want people to be impacted for the glory of God. And if that's the story of you today, that you want to follow Christ, that you want to be like him and you want to look like him, then you will want to influence people on his behalf. And so there, there's this tension. There's this tension because we're like, not me. I couldn't be that kind of person. And that's all the kinds of people that he recruited were people who never thought, Matthew never thought that he would one day write a book that would change the world. And yet you see this with the disciples on and on and on. If you look at Mark chapter 1, we're going to see this picture of how Jesus calls on people to follow him. Mark chapter 1. If you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it's a real simple text. Just passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother um, of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. All right, so big discovery. They were casting a net. They're fishermen. But at, in being a fisherman, what we learn is, is that these, these are lower class people, uneducated, untrained. Peter, Peter has such a hard accent that one time when he was denying Jesus, people could tell that he was a Galilean because he had a hard Galilean accent. He was inarticulate, uneducated, fishing. And the reason they fish is because it was their father's business. So these were not the elite at all, and these were not the educated, and there was nothing special about them. But Jesus, it says in, earlier in Mark that he had been proclaiming the kingdom of God. Jesus was preaching, and he was preaching about a kingdom. He was preaching about a day and an age where he would rule and reign on earth. And then he began to recruit people to preach that kingdom with him, to preach this message of the gospel. And the tension that we feel of not me, well, that's exactly where these people were at. They thought they could never be one of those people that are doing what Jesus does. If you look here in verses 17 through 20, he says this. Jesus said to him, said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men or I will make you become fishers of men in verse 18. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets. In verse 20, it says, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and hired servants and followed him. Completely left the business and started following Jesus. And he told them, I'll make you fishers of men earlier on. And so one thing we can be certain about, when Jesus said to them, I will make you fishers of men, they had absolutely no idea what Jesus was talking about. All they know is that this was Jesus, and he's the Messiah, and we should follow. So we'll follow, but fishing for men, they had no clue. Just as the analogy would have seemed weird to us if we didn't understand what the gospel was and what going in and proclaiming the gospel was uh, and how he lines it up to uh, fishing for men, it was confusing them as well. And so there's this tension that Jesus is stepping into. But this is what we do know about them. Even though they might have been confused, they ended up doing it. All of these people ended up influencing people in their own spheres with their own personalities for Christ. All of them. Peter, James, John, Andrew, 
They all became these incredible communicators and leaders. In fact, it was amazing. In Acts chapter 4, it says about Peter that he was uneducated and untrained, but you could tell he walked with Jesus. There was something powerful about him. And so what we learn from this is that these people follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you're going to fish. You're going to be an influencer just by the nature of following you know, again, I, I mentioned this before, but there are all types of people, prostitutes, tax collectors, zealots, demon-possessed people, a woman who had been married five times. All of these people have this tension with inside of them where their life was all messed up, but then they end up becoming an influencer for Jesus. And you know why that's important? Because there is some excuse, and I, when I say excuse, I don't mean to demonize you or make you feel guilty, but there's something within you that feels like, I can't be that way. I can't be this proclaimer of Christ. And yet these people had great reason, the demon-possessed guy, he had great reason. He was naked, listen, he was naked and, and, hitting, and, and like beating himself up with rocks. And yet, he ends up telling people about Jesus. He has a bad reputation. And yet, the Lord used him. It wasn't his education level. It wasn't his skill set. He just followed. But in following, he ended up influencing people for Christ. And you may think, well, man... There's something about that, you know, this is, this is one of these recruiting sermons where we talk about evangelism, and this is all awkward, and I'm not that kind of person. Well, here's, here's what we can know. If you follow Jesus, there's going to be a passion that begins to become inside of you that you want to tell people about the Lord. But here's the other thing we know. If you attempt to be a part of ministry, you are going to mess it up. Because the disciples put this on display very well for us. You are not going to be good at this at first. And that may be something that keeps you from influencing people. But no, you won't be good. You may even be worse than they were. But that's okay. Listen, um, there was a time where the disciples, they actually, um, Jesus was giving this illustration with kids. I think we have it up there in Luke. And uh, Jesus is like saying, you know, suffer not the children, let them come to me. And Jesus, I mean, the, the disciples actually rebuked the people bringing their kids. And Jesus is like, come on, y'all, I'm trying to do an illustration here. And he ends up rebuking them. Another time, the disciples actually started to get into an argument over who was the greatest. And even one, there's one scene where they actually get their mom involved. So you see, they weren't fit for ministry. They didn't have the right attitude. But yet God still used them. And if you would have a desire to follow Christ and be an influencer for, for Christ, he will use it. He will use it for his own glory and his own sake. No matter how much you screw up, no matter how much you mess up. Um, my first year in ministry, I, you know, many of you know my story, so I won't go on and on about it. But my first year in ministry, um, you know, I had never led anything. And when I say never led anything, I mean literally, I, other than playing football, I had never been a leader. So we had this ministry assignment. We wanted to go to the basketball game. We were going to go to the basketball game and share Christ. So I was like, great, this is what we'll do. We'll make signs and we'll let people know that we love the Lord. I should have checked the sign 
which would have been a wise move. One, there was one crew of people that were saying, we ought to create a sign that's more like a basketball sign. And then there were people that were like, no, we ought to create a sign that's like a Jesus sign. So I didn't check it, but what we ended up with, somebody, you know what a jumper is? This is when you jump and you shoot the ball. Well, somebody had the great idea of writing shoot the J. But then someone else was like, why don't we put E-S-U-S after it? And that would look hot. So here we are at the game. I didn't check the sign, but I'm like rooting. I'm like, yeah, let's get them, let's win, let's win the game. And we have signs that say, shoot the Jesus up there. And this was like our first ministry experience. And I remember people actually coming to me like, are you one of the shoot the Jesus crew? Like, is that your crew? And I remember thinking like, how did we mess that up? But here was what we learned from that. I think Jesus might have been confused about my strategy, but I believe he was blessed by my initiative that I want to do something for the Lord. Listen, why do we do things like that? Why do we want to serve the Lord? Why do, we, why do we want to give ourselves to him? Why would we even want to do things like hold up signs at a game and look crazy? This is for the most part because Jesus has done something in your life and you want other people to experience him. That Jesus has changed you and he has just radically change the way that you look over time and you want other people to feel that sense that God is in their life. You're blessed and you want to be a blessing to others. And so when you come to Christ, naturally you're already praying like selfish motives, like God fix my family, fix my relationships, fix all these things. And you kind of stay in this fix it Jesus mode. But then one day God does something. He changes you, and you begin to see God move. And because of that, you want other people to experience Jesus. That's simple ministry. It's not because we know all the answers to the Bible. It's not because we, have, have it, we definitely don't have it all together. It's because you've experienced Christ, and you want others to experience him as well. And this motivation of gratitude should be where we land. Not, not that we're better than people, but that we feel grateful. And this is what we see, really, uh, the, the beauty of the Bible is that we have several stories about this issue of being fishers of men. And in Luke chapter 5, this is actually the story, but in a different way, and it gives us more details. So if you look in Luke chapter 5, and it's just up on the screen here, Luke chapter 5, it says in verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now, Peter is very clear about the way that ministry, I mean, the way that um, fishing works. That, you know, he can't, he can't do any more fish during the day. He was asking the fish during the day. And they had been fishing at night, and that's when you fish. But he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. In the verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, so much so that the nets were breaking. So they went from on their own, they weren't able to catch any fish. But now Jesus told them, let down your nets. And now 
They have more fish than they could possibly imagine, so much so that the nets began to break. And then in verse 10 of Luke chapter 5, Jesus says to them, from now on, you will catch men. And so the beauty of that is that he's showing them, if you follow me, I will do things that you never thought or imagined. And he did something that they probably had done thousands of times. They had let nets down all the time. But now Jesus says, let your net down, and all these fish come about. And then he says, fish for men. What he was telling them is, if you follow me, I will allow you to do things you never thought could happen. I will put you in positions that you never saw yourself being a part of. Jesus was opening them up to a ministry of faith and a ministry of following. And the beautiful thing is, is that he didn't tell Peter from the beginning of his ministry, Peter, you are going to become the leader of the Christian movement, and you're going to end up writing several books on my behalf. He didn't tell them that. He said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And so he took Peter where he was at, and, and, he, and he just wanted him to be simple in his ministry, an influencer where he was. So what Jesus wants to do with me, and what Jesus wants to do with you, is he wants to leverage all these things that you deal with, all the circumstances that you're in, and all of your life. He wants to leverage those things for his behalf so that you would be an influencer for his sake. And what Jesus is always doing is he is not taking the perfect he is taking the very imperfect people, and he is using all their garbage for his sake. He is not taking, the, the best people in ministry aren't the pristine. It's the people that want to be used, the people that are open and desire to be used by God. Oh, just follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you, I'll make you influential. Fishermen were the least influential people in the society. But he made them influential through his presence in their life. You know, most of our prayers are about the mundane. Bless my life and bless my family and bless all these things. And they're all about everything between birth and death. But what if we looked at all the circumstances we were in in life and we looked at them in such a way where you might think God has positioned me to be an influence for him where I am right now. I'm, I'm not just talking about your job. I'm talking about some of the addictions you have. I'm talking about some of your, some of your issues. <laughs> some, some of your problems. I'm talking, about some, I'm talking about no matter if your marriage is strong or if it's weak. I'm saying if you would allow God to even use that, he will use it for his sake. He will use everything between birth and death if you allow him to use it. I'm going to jump down a little bit because I feel like I need to say something um, different. So you maybe go down for a few slides. See, what people begin to think is sharing your faith is all about the message, and it's not. Sharing your faith is about the message and the messenger. Because for some reason, God likes to use people. I don't know why he wants to use people, but that is his desire to use people. So he takes the message, 
He takes the messenger, which is you, and he takes the circumstance happening in someone's life. And when you put all that together, boom, an explosion happens. And you just fall into a situation where God has set up before the foundation of the world for you to tell people about Jesus. And I'm not talking about holding up signs that say, shoot the Jesus. I'm not talking about some like, some, some like a track that you do. I'm not even talking about you going and you walk up to five people and hold them by the arms and tell them God loves them. I'm not talking about like the stuff that makes you feel awkward and weird. All I am saying is if you would put yourself in a position where you would desire to be used by God and to tell people about Jesus, he has already set up situations and scenarios in people's lives. People come to Christ because they're broken and they're lonely and they're addicted and they're confused and they're hurting and they have loss and they need and they're hungry and they're wondering, how do you make it? How do you make it through? What do you do? Yoga. <laughs> what do you do? You chant? What do you do? Jesus. If Jesus is beneficial, then it should be expressed, no? I, I know this woman on Facebook. She's doing this thing called Plexus. Have you heard of this? It's like a diet stuff. She tells everybody. She tells that now she's making some money, so there's some benefits in there. She tells everybody. She tags people. She tags me all the time. <laughs> and she, she is constantly letting people know. You see, and, that, and that's the problem. So, so this is our burden that we feel. We feel we have to be the intellectual. We have to be educated. And yeah. we have to like have, all, have it all together. And we have to have all these answers. Yeah. What if they ask about creation? God is going to set it up in their life where that's not going to be the number one issue. If we would just be faithful to be open to being used by God, he will use you to express your love for God in their life. He will use you to express your love for God in their life. I was, um, I was uh, at this gym and I was working out and there was this one guy who used to always... Um, he didn't know how to work out. Like he, he, you could just tell he just didn't know what was going on. And so, I kind of would just help him out every now and then, and you know we would work out together. And this this began to be our rhythm every day. I'd see him, and and he would he'd help me on the bench press, and then sometimes I'd see him running, and we'd run together. And we just started a, a conversation. And then one day he just asked me, you know, what do you do on the weekends? I said, ah, you know, I on Fridays I do this, that, Saturdays, I, you know, Sundays I go to church. And then that, that, it kind of planted a seed, and then time went on. And, and, then, and then one day, just out of the blue, I, you know, I, I was talking about, um, I think that, that we were talking about something in our church fellowship or something like that. I said, yeah, this is one thing we're talking about in my church. And you can just tell his eyes just got real wide. Because he said to himself, he said, man, I'll be honest with you, I haven't been to church in years. I, mean, my, I used to go with my grandmother, but I don't go anymore because, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. And so he began to come with me to my church. Now, truth be told, um, he started out at my church, but then he, he saw a girl at another service at, at our church, and then he 
hung out with her and started dating her and he stopped going to the service. So we were, he went to a different service because he liked her. But the point of the story is, um, <laughs> all I did was work out at a gym, but make myself available. Available to him and available to God to be used. It's always the message, praise God, it's the gospel. But it's also the messenger. And there is a message that will be flowed through your life in a unique way that I can't tell it. And there is a certain situations and there's things that you've been through that I have not gone through. And God wants to uniquely use you. So this is what I want to tell you. Right now, you are perfectly positioned to fish for men. Right now. You are perfectly positioned to fish for men. I'm not this. No, you're perfectly positioned. You know enough. If, if God has done anything in your life, you know enough. You know enough to be an influence for Christ today. Because if he can use fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes and zealots and demon-possessed men, he can use you. And so this is, this is, the, this is the challenge that we feel now, I was talking to somebody the other day about this message, and they were like, well, we need to hear this, because when, when I was growing up, I heard about evangelism. There's all this guilt and shame and people going to hell, and I guess, get, get ready, get ready. We're going to share the faith, and you better get out there and go get them, you know. <laughs> How many of you get this week? I mean, you know, and you just kind of go around, and then it became a recruiting seminar. And it was the motivation to share was fear. Fear on their behalf and fear on your behalf. You better go tell somebody. And I think that at the end of the day, there is a simple motivation that we have. God has been good to me. And I think he can be good to you. I think you'll like him. And I can't force anybody into that, but I can share it. I can allow people to experience what I've experienced. And so, generally when I have this conversation with people, they'll say, James, you're saying this because you're a preacher. This is what you do. You're trying to get the church filled up. There's evangelism, you want to see more people, right? <laughs> and the, the reality is, I have had the incredible experience of seeing people far from God get baptized, and I see their family now, I see their kids now, and I see the life of that child, and I know I made a difference in their life. And that excites me. That motivates me. And it's not so much that I want to fill this room. God, that's up to the Lord. I want you to be a part of what God is doing on earth. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that I, you know, I think you're missing out on seeing lives changed by the power of God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And so part of the objections that we generally hear are, you know, well, you know, James, you're a preacher, so you have to tell people about Christ. And more than that, you should be good at it. Shoot, you, you're a preacher. And, and, you know, what I think about is that I kind of think that you have a better chance to tell people about the Lord than I do. Because the minute I tell people I'm a pastor, it gets real weird. <laughs> You know, um, I was telling somebody this the other day, that the minute, the minute Christ comes into a conversation and I'm a preacher, I've got to start, you know, 
you know, start telling them I'm a really good guy and give them like five hugs and things like that because they feel like I might be condemning and all these other things. I think if you work a job every day with the same people, you have a better, better chance to tell people about the Lord. But see, this is what we do. Because the people that are simple will look at the educated and be like, you should tell people about the Lord because you know so much stuff. And they're like, yeah, but I'm not good with people. You, you're kind of down to earth, so you should tell people about, you know, tell people about the Lord. And then it's like, well, you're extroverted, you know what I'm saying? So, you, you know, because you're an extroverted person and you're around a lot of people, you know, you should tell people about the Lord. It's like, yeah, but I love people too much to, you know, break their hearts. So, you know, you're introverted, you're probably better, so you should tell people about the Lord. And then we all are looking around, like, at each other, like, who's going to tell somebody about the Lord today? <laughs> and it's just like, you! Because this is what happens. Followers fish. If you're following, you're fishing. He is not recruit. Listen, here's what I here's what I could probably guarantee. More likely than not, if the Lord was recruiting a team of people to represent Him very, very well, it probably wouldn't be us. <laughs> In the sense that you bring baggage to the table. And, and the reality is, is that God is not just recruiting people who are the most educated, or the most intellectual, or the, who have it all together. He's recruiting people that love him yeah. and want to share the love of God with other people. And so because we have fallen in love, we want to express that. And so this is what Jesus says in the text. If you follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you that way. If you, if you just, just keep coming, keep following me. I'll show you what to say. I'll show you who to share with. I'll show you how you should be in every circumstance and situation. Just follow me. Don't force it. Don't make people afraid. Don't just try to get a room filled up. Have people fall in love with me and follow me and then just share with others what that looks like. So, if you're a non-Christian here today and you don't, you don't know the Lord, this is, the, this is like weird, right? Because you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm here for the recruitment message. <laughs> Proselytization, awesome. You know, I think that more than anything else, we shouldn't ever make people feel like they're lesser than. Did you, did you sing that song with Chris when he was talking about Amazing Grace? Did that affect you? No, it affected me. Because I relate to someone who was far from God and who, who my, life, my life was completely in shambles and God brought it together. And so because of that, I, I, don't, I naturally don't feel like I'm better than anybody. Do you feel like you're better than somebody? But I do feel like I'm better off than I was. I feel like my life is better than it was. And so because and so I like Jesus. I like telling people about Jesus. I don't like it if it gets awkward, but I like Jesus. I like experiencing the Lord. And I like helping people know Jesus more. And so if you have that desire to be a part of what God is doing on earth, then you can put yourself in a position to fish to influence people on Christ's behalf. 
And it has nothing to do with your education level or nothing to do with how much you know or how, how, where you've been. But it has all to do with desire to be a part of what God is doing. So, okay, so today this, this message is insanely practical because I don't want us to get lost. I want us to see kind of just some simple things. We have up on here the screen just some several things here where you say, well, how do I fish? How do I influence people for the Lord? I just have some diagnostic questions, some simple questions to ask. Um, do you pray for God to use you? Now, part of our prayer life, obviously, is God fix things, fix things, fix things, fix things, fix things. But at some point, we have to get away from the fix-it mode of life and get into the influence mode of life and just say, God, I want to be used and part of what you're doing on earth. And as you make this a consistent part of your prayers, he will honor that prayer. And you don't have to feel like you have to be some kind of evangelistic, big thousands of crowds and all these other things. One, if you influence one person on Christ's behalf in the next five years, that would be an amazing step in your life for people to know that you love the Lord and you want people to experience him. Another question is, do people think you are helpful? Now, this is what messes it all up. Do, do people believe that you're a helpful person? I'm not even saying, do they think that you are some dynamic Christian? I'm just saying, on your job, with your friends, and with your family, do they think you're helpful, useful? Like you come around and you try to make things better. Because if you're like that, then people are more open to listening to you because people generally, even if they don't think Jesus is Lord, they think he's helpful. And the third thing is, Here's, here's the big one. Do people know you're a Christian? Have you ever just made it clear that you know Christ and he's a part of your life? I understand that in, in New York City that can be more difficult, but is that something that you've ever wrestled with and kind of just tried to fit into the conversation? Not in a weird way, but in a way in which it's helpful to people. You tell them, yeah, I go to church on Sundays. Fourthly, do they know what Christ means to you? In other words, have you ever expressed that Christ has been helpful to you? And this is, this is as simple as, you know, you were praying for something and God did it. And you tell people about it. And it comes up in conversation. You just, you just lightly, see, I think... If, if I can't be honest with you about my Christianity, then I don't know how, how much we're friends. Like, I should just be able to be myself. This, this is who I am. I'm a Christian. And so part of being a Christian is being, being myself and, and letting people know about Jesus because he's the Lord of my life. And so I'm not hiding. Right? Fifthly, um, and that should, yeah. Are you willing to learn their community and their life? And so you would investigate people and get to know people and, and be in their world and connect to them. And so you spend time. And so there are several people here that know this about me, but when I first meet people, I definitely don't tell them I'm a pastor because it gets super weird. And they start telling me about how they help little babies and old ladies and 
all this other stuff, right? So I just tell them I'm a person, you know, and I've got a family, and I start talking. But over time, I spend a lot of time just getting to know them and getting in their world and listening to them and listening to their life and, and hearing how I can be a benefit to them. But lastly, do they know you're a part of a community that's like you? So if number two is not working, number six is going to be bad. And if the people don't view you as a helpful person, then the last part, they won't want to be a part of your community. But if you're investigating their life and investing in people, people will be attracted to that. And they'll want to be connected to that. And so at the end of the day, what, what we want to be are people that are influencers. Because people truly are hurting. You know, um, this past week, um, a friend of mine, Sam, Sam on Wachekwa, was 33 years old, and um, he went to Starbucks, and um, he had a meeting, and after the meeting, Sam got in his car, and um, we still have to do the autopsy, but Sam got in the car and expired, he died. We don't know, we don't know why he died. Um, I go down to the funeral this Friday, go down to Houston, um, and it's very hard for Tasha, his wife. It's very hard for his three kids. And right now they're, um, they're in a lot of pain. And so we learn from Sam's life that obviously we don't know the minute or the hour when we could die. But everybody's, you know, it's crazy now. Your Twitter page, your Facebook, and your Instagram become instant memorials of you. Isn't that crazy? Uh, whatever you said last, that's what people think, want to think about you, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> Do you know the last thing Sam posted? I, I kid you not. His last post on Twitter, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was his last post. And now, do you know what people are doing? They're looking back at sermons he had. They're looking at his Facebook. They're looking at his Twitter. And he's having more impact in his death than even in his life. Because Sam, while he was living, wanted a life that counted, not just for now, but for eternity. And so everything that he was a part of, use my Facebook, use my Twitter, use my life to leverage it for your purposes. And Sam is still fishing in eternity. What if we fished right now? What if you looked at Monday all differently? I'm not talking about going in there with the blood-stained banner and yelling the name of Jesus. I'm saying being a nice person that people want to talk to. And I'm saying that, that, that will do wonders. You know, there's, there, there are people in here like, we need to break down the text more. No, people need just basic stuff. You need to be a nice person a person that people want to talk to. Right. You need to pray for those people. And I guarantee you, because God has saved you to use you. I'll amen myself on that. Just, yes. God has saved you to use you. He has not saved you so that you could come and agree with me about messages. He saved you so that you could have your own ministry. And that you could preach the gospel in your own way. Oh, your own unique way. 
If you're smart, be smart. Tell people all the details in the Bible. Great. If you're simple, be simple. If you're funny, be funny. If you're wise, be wise. But whatever you are, use it for the Lord. Because whatever you are, he has made for his influence. And if you miss it, if you miss it, you will see the Lord one day. It's not like you're not going to go to heaven and be with God. But you're going to miss out. Because right now, Sam is with Jesus. And Jesus is pointing. He's saying, look at all these people being influenced from the grave. I want to influence people now the best I can. And I want to use my ministry. And if I'm not a pastor next year, fine. If I'm mowing lawns, I'm going to try to influence people for Christ mowing lawns. I'm going to try to influence people for Christ wherever I can be. And however, and I know you feel this tension, like, how do I do it on the train? How do I do it? I don't know, but this is what I know. If you ask God to use you, he will honor that prayer. Because he saved you to use you. And he wants to leverage himself through you to someone else. If you follow, you will fish. Because followers become fishers of men. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that our brother Sam from the grave is still influencing people for Christ. <clears throat> and I pray, Heavenly Father, that we, that we would be influencers for Christ. And I just pray, God, that we would, I just pray we see you better. I mean, I just honestly pray more than anything else. I pray that no one walk out of here feeling guilt. No one walk out of here feeling shame. I don't even feel like, I pray that no one walk out of here feeling today, I, I, I have to do all these things. I pray they, that today we would begin to change our prayer life. And our prayer life will begin to be, use me. And we would do that every day. And then we'd begin to look for opportunity. We'd begin to look at certain people differently. And maybe every, the person that everyone talks about at your job isn't the person you need to move far away from, but we need to move to. And maybe the people that are being considered useless in society, maybe those are the people that can be useful to the king. And so maybe I need to reorientate the way that I look at my life. Maybe I need to reorientate the way I look at my job, my family, and lift all that mundane stuff up, those temporal things, and say, God, use it. Because I believe you want to use me. We ask this in Christ's name we pray. Thank you, Pastor Jesus, for that message. It was amazing, amazing. As we chew on that word, let's not let's not forget that following Christ is a is a high calling. Following Christ, one thing that stuck out of the message is that James said that he doesn't really need us, but he chose us. Us, us flawed individuals. He chose us to further his word in this time right now. Let's not miss that opportunity. We all have a unique opportunity to spread this, spread the amazing gospel of grace and salvation. And let's not forget what that grace and salvation has done to change our lives. You all are here because it's changed your life in some way. And as we sing this song today, let us remember why we first followed him in the first place. Why we chose Christ over ourselves.
हमें 